Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This message is part two in the four-part series, Are You Asking the Right Question? When looking for the right answers in life, we must begin with the right question. In this message, Brandon asked the question, what do we really want? All right. Everybody awake this morning? Still got the turkey hangover? Ate too much and kind of dragging? We're going to jump in this morning. Um, want to kind of bring you up to speed uh, this morning on where we, where we are at in our, our uh, message series. Uh, we started last week with a new series called, Are You Asking the Right Question? And we're looking at questions that we need to be asking ourselves if we're going to fulfill the vision that God has given us, one, for our lives, but two, if we're going to fulfill the vision that God has given us uh, for this church. And so we want to be asking the right questions. And that's the, the whole point of this series. Last week, we looked at who, the question of who. Who is it that can fulfill the vision in our lives? Who is it that can fulfill the vision of this church? And we looked at the Holy Spirit. He is God himself. The Holy Spirit is not a it, it is a he. He is the one who moves in our lives to fulfill our vision and to begin to do the things that he created us to do. So we want to look at how that happens. And we want to be able to just uh, be a church that, that doesn't operate in blue or red or green, but that we operate across the entire spectrum so that we can be um, fulfilled to do all that God has created us to do as an individual and as a church. So we can't neglect the Holy Spirit. And that is really the foundational question of all of this. Listen, if we are not full of the Holy Spirit, if we are not embracing the Holy Spirit for everything that the Spirit of God is, the giver of the fruit of the Spirit, the giver of the gifts of the Spirit, the giver of peace, the giver of all of these things, the comforter, the counselor, if we're not embracing all of that, then we're going to fall short in what God has called us. It will never reach the full potential of who God wants us to be if we're not doing all of those things, if we're not being involved with the Holy Spirit in all the ways that he has for us to be involved. So that's the foundation of this. Today, we want to look at the question of what? What? And, and we specifically want to look at this in terms of what do we really want? What do we really want? Okay? And we're going to start looking at that. Before we jump into it too much, I want to read to you um, Acts 3, 1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, I'll give you a second. You can turn there. Acts 3, 1 through 7. And I don't hear pages rustling, so I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, Acts chapter 3, 1. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to, into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Well, God, we thank you for your word. God, today I pray that we could take an honest look at ourselves, our motives, our desires, and begin to see what what moves us, God. Today I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would begin to truly discern what is it that we really want. Is it that we want to do your work and do your will, or, or are we after our own gain? Father, I pray that you would just speak to us. Give us clarity. Give us clarity to see your heart for us your desires for us, your, your heart for this community, your desires for this community. Change our perspective, change our expectation that we be able to be a people who moves in your ways, God, who moves in, in your spirit with power and might. And God, we thank you for it. We thank you for what you'll do today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I love this story of Peter and John as they go to the temple. They're just walking along. There's this man who has been there for practically his entire life. He has been there begging. It's all he knows is he's sitting there begging week after week, day after day. He's begging. And Peter and John are walking along and he's begging. And as he's sitting there, Peter turns and he says, look at us. And then the man begins to look up and expecting to receive something, as the Bible says. He's looking for some kind of handout. Peter looks dead at him and says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I give to you. He takes him by the hand, pulls him up, and the man begins to walk. Now, my point of this story today is to look at it from the perspective of the blind man, or or this lame man, I'm sorry, the lame man. He's sitting there by the fence, or, or by the gate, and think about this. What is he really looking for that day? 
What is he really thinking? What, what was his perspective? My feeling on it is that he was sitting there and his perspective was, I hope I can get enough to make it through today. I hope I can just get enough to make it through today. I don't believe he was expecting life change. I don't believe he was expecting anything different. There's nothing that indicates that he was looking for anything other than perhaps I can get a handout so that I can get through one more day. What was his expectation? It certainly wasn't a life change. What was he really wanting? So I think we have to ask ourselves this same question. What do I really want? Do I want to just get through another day or do I want to see God really change my life? I'm going to ask Allison Gay to come now. She's going to come and share a testimony about her life because she's been in this predicament where she's had to ask ourselves, ask herself, what is it that I really want? What do I want to do with my life? And so I'm going to ask her to come and share her testimony about how she herself has dealt with this question. Is it on? Okay. Hey, y'all. I'm Allison. And um, I guess uh, basically, Brian, I've been like sharing my heart with Brandon and Susan. And um, so I guess when he was talking about what he, or when he was thinking about what he was going to talk today about, um, you know, what do I really want in life and like how we complicate things, um, I guess they kind of thought of me because I've kind of um, been complicating things for the past like, six months of my life, um, trying to decide like what I'm going to do when I graduate. And, um, basically a little bit about me is, um, my name's Allison and, um, I am a sociology major and I'm graduating in May and I'm really excited about that. But, um, something that like they didn't really tell me was that when you graduate and you're a sociology major, you don't really have a job. Like you have to kind of like go into grad school or something. And they don't really tell you that when you get into the program, but like a semester before you graduate, they kind of tell you that. And um, so I've really been battling on what I'm going to do when I graduate. And so I guess I'll tell you a little bit about this, but I don't want to like ramble or make it complicated. But um, anyways, I've, for the past, like mostly for the past six months, but um, maybe for a little bit longer than that, I've kind of had this desire to go to Atlanta when I graduate. And um, I guess just growing up in Savannah and moving to Statesboro, I haven't really like gotten out that much and I feel kind of sheltered and something like God gives us all like desires and passions and something that, um, God's really laid on my heart is like human trafficking and homelessness. And those are like two things that, you know, are really big in Atlanta. And in fact, Atlanta is like the number one city for human trafficking in, um, the country. And, um, which is like slight, like sex slaves. I don't know if y'all know that, but, um, Anyways, that's something that's like really been on my heart, but, um, like my goal was, you know, go to grad school and I was looking at, you know, like Kennesaw and Georgia state and, um, even like UGA and some places just to figure that out. And, um, well, I guess about two months ago, um, God started to really, like the more that I've grown with God and I really have grown probably more than I ever have in the past like six months, um, the more I've grown with God, he's really like pointed out my desires more and like, the desires that he has for me, um, instead of just the desires that I have for him. And when I was going to go to Atlanta, I just, like, the thing with the human trafficking and homelessness, and just, I have a desire just to reach out to like broken, hurting people. And those are all really good things, but they're not necessarily like what God wants me to do in Atlanta. And, um, I just had in my mind that that was what God wanted me to do because they're, you know, things of God, um, if that makes sense. But um, God began speaking to me, and um, since I want to go into ministry, um, I started to feel like maybe I was supposed to go to seminary because um, I wanted to use, like, my counseling and social work skills for um, that in Atlanta. And so I started, like, praying about it, and I was like, you know, maybe I'm supposed to go to seminary. So then I start making things even more complicated, and so I start thinking about seminary. And um, then, God, I really began to pray about it. And um, I can tell you the exact moment where it was. I was actually... Um, in Panama City with some of my friends like about a month and a half ago. And that morning I just got up and went onto the beach, which is like one of my favorite places, and just like sat there in silence. And I really felt like God spoke to me and was like, I have plans for you before that. And um, I have something that I want you to do. And, you know, me being a Christian, um, or all of us being a Christian, like God calls us to extraordinary things, like not just little things, not just to live life. Like God has called every single person in here to do something extraordinary for him. And, um, just me being, you know, young still, I thought that 
you know, this is a good time to go do that. And I kept thinking, you know, I'm about to go to Peru on a mission trip. So maybe God will speak to me there. And um, so then anyways, a couple of weeks later, I go to Peru and um, really excited, really pumped. I go there and God just completely rocks my world. And I meet all these people who are just on fire for the Holy Spirit and on fire for God to just change their life. And they have nothing. And um, God just really spoke to me and was like, you know, maybe, you know, like, I guess I just figured out that it wasn't necessarily, like, in the United States that I was supposed to do something. You know, maybe it was international. And um, so then I come back, and I'm just, like, telling everybody how great it was. I was on this huge high just from being there. And, um, you know, God, and I know we've probably all heard this before, but, like, God has a desire for every single person in the world to know who he is. And God, like, wants us, he wants to use us to go, um, tell them about Jesus. And, um, so then I come back and I was like all excited and I was like, maybe God wants me to go to Peru. And literally like a week later, um, my eyes start to be opened up to the need in Statesboro. And, um, which is kind of weird for me. You can ask like people that I'm close to, like my roommates or whoever, like I was always the girl that everybody was like, I'm just going to move away when I graduate. And, you know, go marry somebody in another country and start my life there and, you know, not be in Statesboro or anything. And, um, but God's really opened my eyes up to that. And I've seen just the huge need that we have here in our own backyard. And, um, I feel like, you know, we always think of like that huge need, you know, in inner, inner city places like Atlanta or Boston or, you know, in third world countries, but it's like in our own backyard. And, um, I've just been having like these dreams almost where I see like our campus is getting bigger, um, or just for the students in here, you know, our campus is getting bigger and bigger by the semester. And like Brandon, I think said last week or week before, like we're about to have like 21,000 students in a couple years there. And like, I just had this dream of like the people that are on fire for Jesus. And the people in this church right now, students who are just going out there and changing lives on campus and then watching people on campus change lives in Statesboro. And so anyways, now I'm kind of like, maybe I should stay in Statesboro because I feel like something big is going to happen here and I don't want to miss it. And, um, but the point that I tell you all, the point, the reason why I'm telling you all that is just to show you how, um, these things that I have on my heart and the things that I want to do to like reach out to broken people, like they're really good things and they're things of God and things that God would want me to do. But, um, in order for me to know exactly what God wants for me to do, I have to just stop and just um, just wait and just listen. And that's really like all God's calling us to do is just to be patient and just to listen. And, um, I have to check myself because something that I really, really struggle with is taking on too much. And I feel like I take on a lot and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I have to really check myself because it's like, am I doing this to please God and to bring glory to God? Or am I doing this to build my name up and to make me into this like great person who everybody knows is, oh, Allison, she's, person that I'll go help you, you know, when you need this. And I don't want to be known as that, but sometimes I have to check myself because, you know, that's kind of the route that I'm going on because my heart is when God's not in my heart and he's not in my life with that, um, my heart is just really nasty and bad and I need God to come and fill me up. And so when Brandon was talking about, um, like, what do I really want in life? Um, this is just a simple verse, but in the Bible it says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I'm at a place, and um, some of y'all that can relate that are probably about to make big decisions too, you know, if we just delight ourselves in the Lord and just be happy with where we are and be content with where we are and be obedient and be patient, God's going to reveal his plans to us. And he's going to reveal to us um, what he wants us to do. And um, that's just kind of like where I'm at right now. And um, there are two two words that I've just really been focusing on. And um, the first word is just patience. And that's just waiting on God just to um, show me what it is I'm supposed to do. Because I really do feel like it's something great. Um, and just obedience that when he does call me to that, that I will be obedient and that I will follow that and that I'll go and that there won't be any ulterior motive. And um, Brandon's message two weeks ago, like, just really couldn't have come at a better time because sometimes, like, I really will start looking at how can this decision benefit me. And um, he made a comment about how... Um, I think it's regret or bad decisions make us regret. Um, And I just know that I don't want to have any regrets because I have a lot of them actually in my life and I don't want to have any more. And I just want to follow God and make that right decision. And um, the second thing was that really spoke out to me was um, 
God looks at obedience, not like results, not like your actions and not when you just take on all this stuff, God is really looking at obedience. And, um, I don't know if any of you can relate. Um, but it's just like, I know that when I go to heaven, like I want God to be like, remember when you were 22 years old in Statesboro and you made that decision for me. And, you know, like I want it to be something where God says, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. And, um, there's just another verse that, um, has really like been speaking to me. And I think it's Psalm 139, 23, 24. And it says, um, like, it's basically saying, it's like David crying out to God and he's like, show me my offensive ways, God. And, um, reveal to me my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way ever. I just really messed that up, but lead me in the way everlasting. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, um, anyway, so that's just basically where I'm at in life. And, um, yeah, that's about it. So I'm just waiting on God to just show me. And so that's it. With ourselves, we have to get to a place where we are truly looking. As as Allison said, so many times it's easy to do things, but the, in, if we look down inside, we can often put God's name on something that we want to do. It's easy to do, right? Where there's something we really want to do. Okay, so God said. How many of you have ever heard somebody who likes to say, "Well, God said," and then every time you turn around, God's like changing his mind, and I'm like, God's not schizophrenic, so it, it can't be God. But it happens so often, and so often we say, "Well, I feel led to do this," but what? leading you? Is it God leading you or is it your own desires? I would liken it to this. It's, it's, the Bible talks about in the book of James that someone who comes to the word of God and goes away and doesn't do what it says is like a man who comes and looks in the mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. Now there are some times that I wish I could go away and forget what I look like, but it's like this. When we're considering our desires, are we considering them honestly or are we looking at them from a standpoint of what we really want? If we boil it all down and we get real just gut level honest with ourselves. Are we looking to do what God wants us to do? Are our desires what God wants? Or are we coming as this, looking into the mirror and seeing what God would have us desire and then walking away? Are we just looking at it and saying, okay, there's Brandon. That's great. And then we go away and we just do whatever we want to do. Are we really looking into God's heart for our lives? Are we really looking at what does God really want for my life? Or are we just looking into God's word? We're looking at God and saying, okay, God, cool, great, thanks. And we go out and we do whatever we want to do. Because we have to begin to evaluate our desires and our motives honestly. We've got to begin to look at why is it that I want to do what I want to do? Why is it? Was it, why do we want to start it? Was it so that we could just start a church? Was it just so that we could have a, so we could be pastors? What, what was it? Was it, or was it a mandate by God? Because see, when you start something or you begin to move in a direction off of a mandate given by God, there's only one option. You can move in that way or you can be disobedient. And we need to live our lives in such a way that we're moving with God and doing what God would have us to do. But we have to honestly evaluate our intentions and our motives and our desires and begin to see, do they line up with what God would have? Do we really want to do what God wants us to do? Think about this. In this church, do we really, really, really want to see God do something awesome that's never been done? Do we really want to see people who don't know Jesus Christ come into the knowledge of who he is? Do we really want to see the least of these touched by God and their lives changed forever? Or are we just kidding ourselves? We've got to look at that because if we don't answer the question of what do we really want and it is that we want to see the least of these touched and changed for God, then we'll never see it happen. We'll never see it happen. We have to decide in our own lives, is what I'm after a changed life or is it just so that I can go in and like the beggar in Acts chapter 3, I can go to church on Sunday morning and get enough just to get me through one more day. Or is it so that I can come in, be revolutionized myself because I've been being revolutionized by Christ all week long and I can come into a place with other believers, I can be energized and we can truly go out and make a difference in the world. What is it that God's called you to do? Do we even take the time to ask God, God, what is your desire for my life? Or are we so busy telling God what his plan is for us? This is what I'm gonna do, God. Now come bless it. 
This is what I'm going to do, God. Now, where are you? And we get out there on this island because we made our own choices and our own decisions. And then we go, God, where are you? Why is this happening, God? And it's because we've gone so far away from God's plan because our own desires, as the Bible says, leads us away. You can't blame the devil. You can't blame God. It's right here. It's the man in the mirror that leads us away. And so we have to come to a place of honestly discerning. Listen, boiling it down to the core and saying, is this God's desire for my life? Or am I just living in a way that pleases me? Am I doing what God would have me to do? If you were to take your desires in life, if you were to take what you want in life and you were to take the word of God and God's desires for your life and you were to lay God's desires over your desires, would they match up? How closely would they match? Or would they be totally different? Would they be totally different? Would, would your desires and what God would want for you even match closely? Would they be mirrors? Would they be like looking into the mirror where we see an accurate representation of what God would have for us? Or are we so living for ourselves that we can't even see what God wants for us? It's just totally foreign to us. I mean, think about this. Do we really want the marriage that God wants for us? See, when we started this series, and I'm going to be like really open and honest with you today, but when we started this series on potential, I started thinking about that. But I started thinking about it initially, thinking about the church. Can we fulfill our potential as a church? And then God starts putting in my heart, what about your family? What about your marriage? See, we go to leadership conferences and we do all these things so that we can preach leadership and we can preach vision to an organization. But what about a vision for your family? What about a vision for your marriage? I mean, listen, I got so convicted by this that, and please don't think, don't think bad of me, but if you do, it's okay. But we, Susan, I went to Susan and I was like, Susan, we're going to go to, we're going to start going and sitting down with a counselor once a week or once a month. And we're going to sit down and we're going to get counseled because I don't want to leave anything on the table in our marriage. I don't want to leave anything on the table. I had a guy I was down in Lakeland eating dinner with one, one night and we're just sitting there having a regular conversation. This is not even on the radar. And all of a sudden he looks up at me and he goes, you need a counselor. I'm like, what? I thought, what? Am I that bad? You've talked to me for 15 minutes and you've already figured out I need a counselor. Is it that bad? He goes, no. He said, you and your wife, you need to go sit down with a counselor once a month. And I was like, okay, but is there something wrong? I mean, what's going on? Are we that messed up? You haven't even met my wife and you know that we're that dysfunctional. How did this, how does this work? He's like, no, he said, but your wife needs somebody to talk to. You need somebody to talk to. You need to sit down and you need to have a conversation once a month with somebody who can almost like mediate. You can almost referee. And so I was like, okay, I started praying about it. We get into this potential thing. And I started thinking, I don't want to leave anything on the table when it comes to potential. So we started going. And it's so funny because I'm like, here, I'm a pastor. And if I walk in, somebody sees me going in for counseling. I don't know how that's going to work. And so the first day, I'm like kind of walking in the doors like this. And, you know, and I'm thinking, this is Statesboro. Surely somebody's going to see, you know, they're going to know. And they'll be like, whoa, what's wrong with them? But, you know, we just, I don't want to leave anything there. I mean, I went to her and said, listen, we're going to do this because I don't want, I'm not waiting until a problem comes up before we start looking for a solution. But do we really desire that? Is that really our heart for our marriages? Is there a heart for our, do we, listen, do we really, really, really desire to see our kids grow up and live godly lives more than we desire them to be in the popular group? What would we rather have? Will we rather have a kid who is considered an all out nerd who loves Jesus and lives for God or have the kid who's the quarterback on the football team, looks perfect, you know, all the girls are after him. What would we rather have? Because it dictates how you live your life. It's a total change in perspective. And see, one of the biggest problems we have in the church today is our perspective. So I believe there's some reasons why we don't look for what God really would have us to look for. I think there's reasons why we don't desire what God would have us to desire. And I want to read to you, and it's so cool to me. Look, look in Mark chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. I want to read an actual healing, a miracle that Jesus did. 
to you real quick. It's cool to me because oftentimes when Jesus would come to do a miracle, he would begin with a question or give you a choice. See, the Bible is full of choices. The Bible says that today God has set before you blessing and cursing. He has set before you life and death and it's our choice. And so Jesus comes so many times and he gives people choices. Now this story is about blind Bartimaeus. And what is so funny to me is that Bartimaeus never could just be Bartimaeus after this incident. He was always blind Bartimaeus. You know, it's like his labor. It'd be like me being slightly overweight, Brandon, you know, or something like that for the rest of my life. It'd just be how you were labeled. But Bartimaeus was labeled as blind Bartimaeus forever. But the cool thing about him is that the very thing that had been his thorn in his side, the thing that had robbed him for all of his life and for all those years became the very thing that became a testimony to God. Is that not cool? Instead of being blind Bartimaeus, he was left there begging for the rest of his life. He became blind Bartimaeus who was healed at the touch of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read this story about Bartimaeus and begin to see some things about us, the church. Everybody awake? We good? Yep. All right. Good. All right. 10, 46. It says, then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you kind of like, this is your lucky day, Bartimaeus throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now listen to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, rabbi, I want to see go said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately. He received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, Bartimaeus had to be very similar to this guy in Acts chapter three. I mean, day after day, after day, he had been blind day after day, after day, he hadn't seen anything. And then one day Jesus comes along and Bartimaeus begins to cry out to Jesus. The awesome thing about Bartimaeus is Jesus comes, calls him to himself. He comes over, he touches him. He, he, he speaks a word over his life and literally spiritually touches him and he goes away seeing. Now, the cool thing about this is Bartimaeus was forever changed. His perspective on life was forever changed. One of the reasons that we as the church don't fulfill the desires of God is because our perspective is all screwed up. Listen, as the church, we live in a temporal mindset. We look at things from the today. We don't, we don't look at things from an eternal mindset. Everything is about what can I have now? What can I have today? What can I get now? We don't view it as, you know what, 60, 70 years on earth, 80 years, 100 years, even, you know, 100 years is nothing compared to eternity. We forget the mindset that we are eternal beings. We are going to live somewhere forever. Somewhere forever. And again, God has given us a choice. Do we want to live saved and sealed by the blood of Jesus in eternity with God forever? Or do we want to live in the other place forever? It's our choice. But here God begins to change the perspective of this man. And I believe that today the one thing the church needs more than anything is we need the spirit of God to touch our eyes so that we can begin to see things differently. So that we can begin to think differently. We can begin to see that God can do so much more than what we tell him we can do. We need to come into a place of once again seeing the forgiveness of God and the power of God. We have settled far too much, too many times for less than what God would have us have. We've settled. And God's desire is that we would be people who are overachievers. That when we come into God's desires for our lives, we begin to do more than what God, what we could ever do on our own. Come on. The thing about it is we live in a place where our perspective is so earthly. I read a a, a quote this week and it said this. It said, in order for something to become clean, something else must become dirty. I thought that was the coolest quote. I can't remember who said it, but it's just a cool quote. 
In order for something to become clean, something else must become dirty. And you know, that is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. We were dirty, filthy, lost in our sins. And by the power of forgiveness, by the power of God himself, Jesus comes and is made dirty so that we could be made clean. Come on. Wake up. We ought to be excited about that. That ought to be something good. You know what I mean? Come on, it's it's good stuff. You're forgiven because Jesus got the crap beat out of him. Come on, that's good. And we sit here today and we don't even get it. We don't get it. Our perspective is so stinking screwed up that we look, we can't understand it. We can't understand that what we deserve is to spend eternity in hell. But because of Jesus... He was made unclean so that we could be made clean. And our perspective stays in this dirty, just miry clay world where we just look for things to be the same way day after day. And we forget the fact. Let me read Colossians to you. We forget the fact that Jesus has literally seated us in heavenly places. I want you to hear this. Colossians 9. It says, for this reason, this is Paul speaking to Colossians. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Listen, a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with what all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you you, to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It says that he's desire, a life worthy of living for God is a life that is strengthened with all power, that the power of the spirit of God comes into our life and we begin to be changed. We begin to be different. We seem to be able to rise above life. Ephesians 2 tells us that he has literally seated us in heavenly places with him. And yet somehow we continue to look at life through an earthly mindset. We continue to look at life as how much junk can I accumulate? How much fun can I have today? What can I do today? And we totally forget about the person sitting next to us whose life is in hell and who needs to have somebody encourage them so they can lift up their eyes and begin to see Jesus Christ for who he really is. Begin to have an eternal mindset to live a life that glorifies God. And so we, but we live in this mindset, this perspective that we're just here on earth and it is just how it's going to be. God has created us for so much more than that, but we've got to change our perspective and begin to look to God, begin to look to the author and finisher of our faith, the one who has given us life eternal so that we can begin to see things differently. So that we can see things differently. Our perspective is so screwed up. I mean, listen, sometimes my own immaturity amazes me. Are you ever, do you ever just step back and look at yourself and go, wow, wow. And I want to tell you one of the hardest things for me in life is to preach the perfect word of God, knowing how actually screwed up I really am. How immature I really am. I challenge you, I encourage you to grow to maturity. And I look at the own maturity and immaturity in my life. And so never think that I'm up here preaching at you. I'm walking through this with you. This week, I mean, I was just... How should I say? A butthole. And I mean, a big butt. Not a little butt. I mean, I just had moments this week and this was Thanksgiving. You know, you're supposed to be giving thanks. And I mean, I don't even understand. But there's something that I have learned is this, guys. When I get away from the Holy Spirit, when I take my eyes off of Jesus, when I begin to look at life from an earthly standpoint, I begin to get wretched. 
But see, when we come to Christ and we begin to look into the mirror and we begin to see ourselves the way Christ sees us, we place our eyes on him and not on us. Man, he begins to change our hearts. He begins to change our life. He begins to change our desires. He begins to mature us. The fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience, all those things begin to happen in our lives. We discover our spiritual gifts. We begin to move in the gifts to edify other people. Things begin to happen. But we've got to get our eyes off of the world. We look at this marred, screwed up world and we try to think that God is the same way. The problem is we can't get our eyes off of what goes on around us and off of our junk long enough to see who Jesus really is. And this eternal life that he's called us to. See, eternal, listen, eternal means that it doesn't stop, but it also means that it has no beginning. It just goes, so your eternal life is now. It doesn't just start when you die. God has called us to this. We are called to live with a perspective in which God, God, we see with God's eyes. And the church today needs to be touched by the power of Jesus in order that we could see that he has qualified us. Listen, it says that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. It is though Satan had his hands on us so tightly that we could have never escaped And then Jesus comes into the earth. He comes into the world and he literally comes and snatches us out of the hand of Satan. He broke the bond of darkness. He broke that spiritual stronghold that Satan had over every one of us when he died on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, Satan's fate was done. And yet somehow we still live in a place where we just can't grab it. And the reason we can't grab it is because our eyes are so focused on the things that surround us and not on God. We've got to change our perspective. We've got to be like blind Bartimaeus. We've got to get a new set of eyes. We've got to begin to see things differently. We need, to, we need to get to a place where we begin to understand God in all of his greatness and realize that God has already brought us into the kingdom of the son of whom he loves. The next thing I want to read to you, the next choice that Jesus gave is in Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew 12. I'm going to read a quick story to you there also. Matthew 12, 9 through 14 says in nine, going on from that place, he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now listen to this. This is absolutely wild to me. Here this man is. It's the Sabbath. It's their, it's, it's their time of worship. It would be like Sunday to us where, you know, we go, we rest, we, we do those things. It's Sabbath. They're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. This man is there with a bad hand and he's in there and he's got his hand. You can just see kind of tucking his hand in and Jesus walks in and just to test him, they say, will he heal on the Sabbath? Will he heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus says, listen, you know, if your sheep or, or your animal gets, gets thrown in a ditch, would, would you not pull him out? He says, it's good to do good on the Sabbath. And he tells the man, stretch out your hand. Now here's the choice. What could the man have done? If he's got this one and it's lame, it's messed up. What is it? Here, Jesus, here's my hand. But the choice the man made was to extend the bad hand. And it says that it was restored. It was restored. See, the man could have been like we are so many times. He could have been a man like the man at the gate where his expectation was, I just need a handout, Jesus. I can't work with this hand, but just give me a handout. Just help me out, God. Just one, just one more day. Just get me through one more day. Don't change my life. Just get me through one more day. And he could have easily just stuck the other hand out there. Okay, you want to hold my hand? What is it? You want to give me five? What is it, Jesus? But instead, he stretches out the bad hand. The choice he made was that I'll expose myself and I'll put my hand out there that I might be healed, 
that I might be whole. And see, sometime or another, we've got to get to a place where just one more day is not enough, but that we desire a life change, that we desire God to touch our lives in such a way that our lives are changed forever. And so he reaches out his hand, it's restored. There's another story in John chapter five about a man who lays around the pool of Bethesda. It was a pool and the story was, the legend of it was that every so often an angel would come down, stir up the water and all the lame and the sick and the blind, whoever could get in the water first, that first person would be healed. And this man is laying there and Jesus comes walking through and he walks up to this man. And the Bible tells us that he had been lame for 38 years. 38 years, he'd been laying around that pool hoping that he might be able to get in. And Jesus says, you know, why don't you get in the pool? Yeah, if it'll heal you, get in the pool. And the man looks at him and says, listen, every time the angel stirs the water, I can't get it. Somebody gets in before me. They, they get healed. I don't. I've been laying here for 38 years. Can you imagine if you were that man? Do you really think when you got up on Monday and went home or somebody drug you home or took you home or however you get home, you get home and you're thinking, tomorrow's my day. No, 38 years. We pray for something and give up after two weeks. And he's going, listen, if I can just get, you know, if I could get in that pool and yet then you know there was no expectation. And some of us have become the same way in our lives where we've just given up hope. We've just given up hope. There's no way, there's no, God, and we just kind of quit. And yet what God is telling us is, listen, there is always hope in Christ. If you don't quit, if you'll see it with eyes of, uh, of eternity, where you'll see it with, with the eyes of God, you know that there's always a chance. There's always an opportunity. But our problem is in the church today that we only expect what we were taught to expect. Is it not? The Pharisees wouldn't have it because they were not taught to expect it. They had forgotten all the things the prophets did. They had forgotten. And so they just expected what they were taught to expect. They just looked for what they thought should happen. And I'm telling you, if we want to see God do something awesome, we've got to begin to see with the eyes of God. We've got to have our eyes enlightened by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have Jesus touch our lives so that we can see things the way they really are. We've got to quit putting our trust in things that moth and rust destroy and begin to see with eyes of faith. Begin to see the way God can do and expect that God, we may not know the same thing. Chip has a fit when I start talking about expecting things. He always tells me, you don't need to expect, you know, put God in a box. It's more of an expectancy. It's this desire. I know there's something on the inside of me that tells me God is going to do something. I might not know how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen exactly, but there's an expectation in me that God is going to move. And it only comes by the Holy Spirit. See, listen, religion plus the word equals nothing but death, disappointment, and despair. That's all it does. And so, so many people today walk around in despair and disillusionment because they can't see any hope in the church. But when the Spirit of God comes with the word, then faith comes comes. The word of God says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And I'm telling you, God is going to raise up a group of people who will see God for what he is, who will allow the Holy Spirit to begin to produce faith and expectation to do what has not yet been done. Listen, if we are looking at things, listen, nobody has ever been able to make an inch of difference in most communities. Are we looking with eyes that tell us that we're going to be limited and very little is going to happen? Or are we looking with eyes from a perspective of God is huge. All things are possible with God. He would do it seemingly abundantly more than I could ever think or imagine. And am I expecting him to do something that's new, that's different, that's big? Am I expecting him when I get out of bed in the morning to use me in some way to bring somebody a little bit closer to Christ? Or am I just going through life kind of just one day at a time going, oh God, just get me through today. We hit our alarm clock. We're already thinking about getting back in bed. I know. The alarm went off this morning at like 540. I'm like, no, I just closed my eyes. 
Are we living just to try to get by? Are we looking for God to truly change our life? What do we really want? Do we really want to change? Or do we just want to drift along the same old, same old, day after day after day, the same eyes, the same thoughts, the same expectations, limiting ourselves to earthly resources instead of tapping into the one who can change everything? What are we doing? What are we looking for? Are we really really expecting God to do something different? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and John Irvin brought this back up to my attention this morning, is Hebrews chapter 10 because it goes through all of these different people in the scriptures who did all these amazing things. And it says by faith they did this, by faith they did that, by faith they did this, by faith. You know, the cool thing about Noah was he built this huge stinking boat and he had never seen rain before. Is that not pretty cool? Can you, do you not think that he was a little bit ridiculed by people around him? The Bible also says that he was a preacher of righteousness. Don't you know that when he's up there banging and they're like, Noah, you are an idiot. What are you talking about, rain? You know, he's going, well, I'm just telling you, you better get right because I know God's coming and he's just every hit of the hammer. You know, he's telling somebody, the Bible tells us he was a preacher of righteousness and he was expecting something's gonna happen and you better be ready. What if he hadn't? Well, We know what the results would have been. He had no context of rain, but he built a boat because God said build the boat. His heart was for God. What he desired was, as Allison said today, to please God. I want to be obedient to God. I want to stand before God so that when I stand there, he looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we come to this place of looking at at the life of Noah. Think about Daniel. Daniel is there. He has never seen God shut the mouth of a lion to our knowledge, right? And yet he's about to go into this pit with these lions. And he said, okay, I just believe, you know, he's just, just expecting God to do something. He gets thrown in and he sees the mouth of a lion get shut. How about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? Nobody's ever walked through a fiery furnace. They've never done that before. But they said, listen, if our God will save us, then praise be to God. But if not, he's still going to take care of us. There was an expectation that God is going to do something one way or another. We don't know. And they come out and now we know that it is humanly possible to walk through a fiery furnace. I don't recommend it unless God tells you to do it. But it is physically possible. We know. But the point is this. If we're living out of what we've seen and what we know, we are so drastically limiting ourselves. If we're not basing it off of the word of God, I mean, think about healing. James 5, 15 and 16 talks about healing. And it says that if you will bring the sick to the elders of the church and they anoint them with oil, then the prayer of faith will make them well. But do we base our understanding of healing off of what the Bible says? Or do we base our understanding of healing off of the time that we prayed for somebody and they didn't get well? We've got to begin to base our understanding and our expectation off of what God's word says and believe it, that by faith, all of those men did incredible, awesome things. And by faith, you and I can too. The cool thing was that man that was laying by the pool, Jesus comes and he he heals this man and his perspective and his expectation changed. But you know what's crazy about that story is as soon as he picks up his mat and leaves, the Pharisees are like, what are you doing? It's not lawful for you to carry your mat on the Sabbath. At that point, I'm just, I got to hit one of them. I got to do something, you know. I just got healed. I've been laying there for 38 years and you're worried about me carrying a mat? Are you serious? And I love his response. His response to it was this. His response was... The man who told me to get up and walk told me to carry my mat. So I carried it. Shouldn't that be our heart? That the man who saved my soul from eternal damnation, he told me to do this, so I'm gonna do it. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks because the point of it is as soon as you begin to do what God tells you to do, somebody is gonna ridicule you. You believe in a man who came born of the Holy Spirit, lived his life perfect, never sinned, never touched a woman, nothing, died on a cross, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now makes intercession for you. And you don't think people already think you're a little cuckoo? But by the Holy Spirit, we know it's true. We know it's true. 
And so we come to a place where we begin to set ourselves apart, just like this man in John 5. He was said there was something different. He separated himself from everybody else around that pool. I think he probably went na-na-na-na-boo-boo when he walked by, you know. He's like, I got my healing. And it was because he changed his perspective and his expectation from some kind of pool of water to the God of the universe. He quit looking for something to heal him that was just bizarre. It was just, just not, not there. That had nothing to offer him. And he began to look to the giver of life. The creator and the recreator. The one who could change everything. And he began to look to him and he began to be different. I want to close out real quick. We're almost done, I promise. Acts chapter 3. Back to this man. But I want to read a little bit further in the story. I'll pick up in verse 7, which we already read. But I want to close out looking at the end of this man's story here. It says in verse 7, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went, listen, he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What is really awesome is this guy's life became so separate, it became so different that there are all these people in the temple and there's one who's running and jumping and praising God because his perspective, his expectation, everything had changed in his life because he was touched by the living God. God had changed him. And out of all the people in the temple, he began to run and jump and praise God. When's the last time you ran and jumped and praised God? When's the last time you recognized God in your life to the point that it caused you to worship, that it caused you to praise him. It caused you to desire him more than anything else. And I'll ask you this, is that what you really want? Do you really want that? What in your life do you really want? Is it God? Is it God's desires for you? Or is it something that you wanna grab hold of for yourself? If we're gonna fulfill our vision, for ourselves that God has given us and the vision for this church, it will be because we have asked ourselves, what do we really want? And we have brought our desires in line with what God would have for us. And we've got to begin to look at our perspective. We've got to begin to look at our expectations and we've got to begin to see things differently, expect different things so that we can come into a place of fulfilling all that God has for us to do. Amen? Let's stand up and we'll pray.